0: What is up, everybody? This is Ryan with the Scale Up Show. This is an interesting one. Okay, so my guest today is Peter Caputa Fourth. And if you haven't heard of him, he was a former VP of sales at HubSpot that reported directly to the CEO and started there when they only had 100 customers. And this is a $1.4 billion a year revenue company right now. So he actually breaks down and shares the number one strategy that he learned and used now at Databox, where he's the CEO while he was at HubSpot reporting directly to the CEO. You're not going to want to miss this. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome everybody to the scale up show. This is your host Ryan Staley and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Peter Caputa the fourth who is the CEO of DataBox, former VP of sales at HubSpot where he started when they're only at 300,000 in revenue helped grow it all the way to 200 million and Peter is in the northeast right now in one of the sweetest uh, four season rooms I've ever seen Peter welcome happy to have you on the show man.
1: Thanks, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, enjoyed, enjoyed listening to your podcast. So it's uh, nice to be, oh. nice to be talking with you.
0: Yeah, man, I love, I love it that uh, you know you're a listener and you've made it to the uh, one of the guests. So those are those are some of my best people that I have on. So before we get into your backstory, which is really cool, let's do a fast revenue rundown. So where are you guys at in terms of your your revenue stage in terms of ARR?
1: Uh, we're just shy of 6.2 million ARR. Um, so that's where we're at. Nice. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. it's a good spot <laughs> to be. uh, <laughs> uh but yeah, it's, I don't All know right. what other background you want in terms of, uh, funding or what anything like that how long it took us to get there. Or happy to share.
0: Yeah, man. Well, well, how long did it take you to get there since you're offering that up? Yeah. So I joined,
1: uh, five years ago, revenue was very small then, like a few thousand MRR. Um, and so it's taken us five years to go basically from zero to to where we are now. Um, before that, the company actually had raised money. They'd raised 3.8 million, uh, seed round. Um, and they had, uh, customers when they raised that seed round enterprise customers. Um, but, um, that didn't work out that original plan. So they took the funding and it just didn't scale. Um, and so they pivoted uh, and I joined like right kind of towards the, the, that right at the end of that pivot, they had just kind of pivoted and were just about to go out to market to a new customer, new type of customer. And so that's when I joined. Um, so that's
0: awesome. Was the man. So, so what's your primary revenue go to market strategy right now?
1: Um, do you mean like, who do we sell to or what do you mean by revenue go to market strategy? Yeah. What's just in
0: terms of like, what what's your focus? Is it, is it heavily on the product like growth side, marketing, sales, content, like what's your primary wins means? means okay, of acquiring that yeah. So product?
1: we are a freemium product. We have a free version of the product. Um, you know, our average sale price is, I think around $190 a month. Um, so we have, you know, just shy of 3000 customers total. Um, and, and so, you know, we we rely heavily on the product to get people in the door, um, to get them uh, starting to set up the product. Uh, we do have a, a sales team. We also have a, a BD team, a BDR team, um, and a bunch of other teams, uh, post-sale as well, that are there to help the customers with setup. But it's largely a product-driven sale, um, as opposed to, you know, we're not really Qualifying business needs. Usually the business need is already established because they've signed up for our product. Um, and that's kind of when they sign up for our products an expression of needing it. Um, and so um we're more assisting. The trick with our product versus other freemium products, though, is that um it is Uh, custom dashboard software. So every customer's setup process is unique, meaning they want to look at different business metrics on their dashboards than every other customer. And therefore, um, there's quite a bit of back and forth, I'd say, consulting by the teams to help um, get that set up, right? Because the customer doesn't know how to use our product to get the data they want. And we don't know how they run their business in order to help them set it up. So there's some back and forth. You know, consulting, consultative selling to, to get that done. So it's a little bit of a, a hybrid. We do have a sales team, obviously, that, that does that. Um, and then as far as generating demand, um, up until very recently, it was 100% SEO. Um, we get about um, 5,000 signups for our free product every month, all from organic. Um, more recently, we started doing... Uh, uh, outbound through social and started investing a lot more in brand marketing through social publishing and podcasting and things like that. Um, but yeah, primarily I can trace it back to search traffic, um, uh, for both branded terms of course, and, and rep- based on our reputation at this point, as well as, um, keyword terms, things like, uh, people searching for, um, HubSpot, you know, reporting tool or, um, SEO uh, dashboard software, um, things like that. Okay, excellent.
0: So that's a a great backdrop. How big is your team?
1: Uh, We have around 135 people at this point. Uh, Have heavily on the product and and engineering side. Um, What's that?
0: I was just going to say, what's the mix with like product versus
1: yeah? So a little less than half the company is probably um, product and engineering. Um, and then I'd say um, we just tweeted out a picture from like a from our marketing meeting, and it filled up all the boxes on Zoom. So I think that's like maybe uh, twelve or something like that, maybe sixteen. No, twelve people in marketing, and then the rest is is our customer customer success team, which includes um, our BDR team, sales team, on, customer onboarding team, account management team, customer support team, technical support team, sales engineers. So we have departments for each of those.
0: Okay, excellent. And then, you know, can you just give a a brief description of like what your solution is and who it serves exactly?
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, So there's so much data that companies um, are producing now, primarily based on software that they're using to do their jobs, whether that's marketing tools or sales, customer support, finance, etc. You know, pretty much everything is, is done through software, captured in software these days. Uh, and so there's all this data, performance data out there, and most companies don't have a centralized view of that. So that's what we do. We enable them to very quickly connect to all the tools they use, say Google Analytics, an SEO tool, their social tools, their ad platforms, their market marketing automation tools, their CRM, et cetera. Um, and then um, once they connect them, which is simply by basically logging in um, through OAuth, um they they can then either select uh, take pre-built dashboards that we've built um, or um, select metrics and create custom dashboards from there they can um, share those dashboards internally or with other stakeholders uh, and set up uh, automated reports um, where uh, they can describe their performance uh, and receive uh, Scorecards, alerts, um, set goals up, and track performance against goals, et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, a big portion of our customers are marketing agencies and consultants who use the software to report results to clients. And um, that's about forty percent of our of our customers. And then the rest of our customers are you know companies that are just looking to improve their performance management and reporting processes, automate more of it, do it more you know, consistently, um, with less effort.
0: Love that, ma'am. Excellent. Well, I think that's a pretty sweet solution. I checked it out obviously before the show and I love what I saw. So I think you're doing some great work over there. Uh, I know you mentioned you were, you were funded initially. So did you buy back that funding or are you bootstrapped
1: now or is there no, something um, I came in, uh, originally met, um one of the investors actually um I was at, uh, at while well, I was at HubSpot still I was advising a handful of different software companies and one of um DataBox investors was an investor in another company um and um and so I met with him as I was you know considering leaving HubSpot and start my own thing and he says you got to meet the founder of DataBox he's he's awesome and um there's a good match between your your skills and experience and what they need and your interests and all that. And so I ended up meeting with them. The rest is kind of history. Um, so yeah, so no, we didn't buy back the company from those investors. The two main investors are great investors. They've had lots of exits, uh, is one and the other is founders collective founder collective. Um, and so they're both extremely patient seed stage investors. um, they were patient because they've been su- so successful as investors, um, and um, yeah. And so they then they're on our board, um, and they're you know been very supportive all along. Um, you know, from their perspective, they had written off the investment um, before right before I had joined, um, and so from their perspective, they're happy. We haven't taken any additional funding um, since I joined, um, and and um, you know we've been re- operating cash flow break even for several years now. So. Um, so we're at this point, just, you know, we got a nice business going on. It's not, I don't believe it's like uh, going to be a massive business overnight. And so we've been taking the last year or so, uh, innovating, creating some additional products that we're right about to launch now. Um, so, awesome. so yeah, we're, we're having fun.
0: So, Peter, walk us through Peter the fourth. So, your, your son and your dad don't get mad. Um, walk <laughs> us through exactly like just how you kind of got to this point. Cause, you know, everybody looks at HubSpot now and yeah. you were there at the 100th customer party when you first started. <laughs> right. So, yeah. um, it's really yeah. interesting to hear your journey there and how it set you up to be a CEO. And I, it, you know, it sounds like you did multiple things while you're there as well. So can you just walk us through that and just like some of the key things that you learned along the way?
1: Um, sure. It's a, it's a, we might need more than 20 minutes, but I'll, I'll try to distill some <laughs> we'll of maybe the, a couple, some of the highlights. Version. Yeah. Yeah. Just the highlights.
0: So, yeah. We don't need well, a, like, you know, like, okay. I, month yeah. three I, did so this, I like to right? say that I like,
1: I, I, my first startup was, was me and a few of my buddies. And, um, yeah, we were all technical. Um, none of us had run a business really before. And I'd like to say we made like every mistake possible. This was before SaaS was a thing. And before, you know, th- there weren't many software companies that you could name them on 10 hands or on, you know, on a hand, on 10 fingers. Um, and so, so you know, we made a lot of mistakes. And then I got to join HubSpot really early on, um, you know, and both Brian and Dermesh and the early management team there, um, had run a bunch of successful businesses or been part of scaling other successful businesses. Um, and so I learned a lot there. So distilling it down would be really tough. One of the things that I think really stands out and um, I don't think anybody really talks about it. HubSpot is, is the, the, um, the, the management cadence that we had at HubSpot, which really enabled the company to scale fast um, there was a real focus on performance, uh, and the, you know we, the way that the company operated is we would say this out loud: like everybody's got a number on their head. Um, and of course, not every engineer had a number on their head, but we tried mm-hmm. to manage pretty much everything with with a number, uh, especially marketing, sales, and 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 post sales stuff. Uh, and there was also a cadence for uh, reviewing progress on initiatives and and reviewing performance of teams um and a process for deciding do we grow something do we keep something status quo do we change our approach to something um and that was kind of done throughout the whole organization it was fairly bottoms up um in terms of empowering people to um own their piece of, of the business. And, um, and I think that was a really, really valuable thing for me to learn um, that we've, we've actually, I feel like we've taken to the next level here at data box. Um, so I'd say, and I think that's missing in most organizations, that management uh, cadence is, um,
0: Well, yeah. And and, I mean, I'm a strong believer of that because I've seen the difference it makes on the sales side, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, are you a leader that just does um, forecast meetings? Mm -hmm. Or are you a leader that also does strategy meetings, you know, coaching and development meetings? Like, and you don't want to over the meeting, over meeting people either, right? No, of course not. Same way that you're talking about, right? Like, what's the least amount of meetings possible to get the best performance output. So yeah. walk us through that. I mean, it sounds like you have an evolved version of what you did at, at HubSpot at data box mm-hmm. that you said you've taken the next level. So can you walk us through kind of like your framework in terms of how you approach it and the way you look at it? Because I think that'd be massively powerful for other CEOs listening to this call.
1: Yeah. So I think the first step, and this is really hard and, and uh, it, 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 I think, it's easy to overcomplicate it, but the first step is to build a model for your business, right? Um, I think back in the day you would build a financial model or, you know, you'd model your P and L out. But I think today business, business activities are so much more measurable and you can, you can actually build a model for most uh, functions in your business and map the productivity of individuals and teams to the performance and the revenue of the company in a SaaS business, it's really—I um, wouldn't say easy to model, but um, it's it's really possible to model everything, right? So because we have we get traffic, which we can predict from SEO efforts uh, or paid or other efforts. Um, we have historical data to show conversion rates and volumes, uh, and then we can flow that through to, um, yeah, uh, engagements in chat, calls booked close rates, uh, yeah, onboarding, call volume, customer onboarding, call volume, to all the way through to upgrades and retention, et cetera. we talked, you know, referrals as a piece of it. Like there's a lot of things that you can model in. And so that's the first step. Um, now, every quarter, we basically throw our actual numbers out and reset the model and reset the goals. I think it's almost, it's, you know, nearly impossible to, forecast out too far. Um, But the idea is to at least use as much historical data as you have to set, you know, set quarterly targets and, and and start to um, model in the impact of, you know, growing specific teams or growing specific marketing channels, et cetera. Uh, And so that's step one. Um, I think step two is to start to have hypotheses around what function or, product feature or whatever you should build, um, to have an impact on the business. We, um, we use a framework called ice, which is very common impact, confidence and effort. So we're ideally looking for things that have a big impact with a very, and we're very confident in that and it's low effort, of course you run out of those things over time or you have to be more creative to find those things. So there's always a portfolio of projects like that are a little bit of effort, maybe a little bit of impact, really high confidence um, and maybe smaller impact. And then, you know, a few big swings where it's like, all right, if this thing works, it's game changer for us. And so it's a matter of having a portfolio of those. Uh, And each quarter we sit down and we look at those portfolios. Like every team is responsible for like looking at their, their, um, their projects through that lens. Uh, and then writing out a quarterly plan. It's long form written. Uh, it, it talks about the, you know what the scope of a project is or the scope of an improvement area is, what the expected impact is. Um, and and some of the steps or the key scope or um, guardrails that that would govern the execution of that project. Um, and so then we aggregate these. we, we look at all those, we di- discuss dependencies where one team might need to collaborate with another. Uh, and then we finalize that quarterly plan and we stick to it. Like we don't, we don't deviate from it. We might run into a roadblock and need to maybe prioritize another project. We usually have a few extra projects on the list um, that we know we won't get to, or will be at the bottom of the list if we have extra bandwidth. But um, that's the process. And then from there, um, you know each of those projects might have a goal or each team might have goals. we have dashboards that we review on a weekly basis so I can see basically how every part of the company is performing everybody reports out their progress uh, on a weekly basis both for their team's performance or the project execution uh, and we meet and we review that and discuss any roadblocks um, and adapt you know adapt uh, adapt priorities or resources based on what we need to do. What needs to be done for that week or that month.
0: And so, do you use your own software to to track all this and have this in one place? Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course.
1: There's do. a lot of there's <laughs> other things we use, right? We use uh, Asana for our project planning and execution. Um, you know, we use uh, our reports actually from DataBox get sent right into Slack where we might discuss them further. Uh, You know, we meet on Zoom calls to discuss, discuss things. So, but yeah, our, our, our product allows our whole team to track their performance and then also contribute to a report that rolls up to the performance of the whole company.
0: Okay, cool, man. So what would you say is like that you've seen in your experience? How long have you been doing this for? This process? This process?
1: Um, Yeah. We had a version of it early on. The other was when I joined, it was just 13 of us, but, um, uh, we had an early version. We've, we've probably tweaked it every year, like not in a major way, but you know, we'll cut some steps out that feel like extra work and we'll add some more collaboration, collaborative aspects into it. Um, so there's bigger projects that we'll do that we'll do deeper dive reports on. So, um, but yeah, I'd say we've been doing it for a few years. It took us a while to get to the point where we were decent at it. <laughs> <laughs> um So what would you say are like the
0: top three most important metrics that you look at then? Well, so number one for
1: or? any SaaS business is usually net MRR growth. Um, so, you know, it's the, new MRR plus the upgrades, minus the downgrades, minus the cancellations. So net MRR growth, I'd say is the number one thing that allows us to keep growing, right? It allows us to keep growing the team, keep expanding what we're doing, um, grow the, you know, um, launch new products, et cetera, invest in the business. Um, so that's number one. Um, number two, I'd say for ours, because we're a freemium business model is the volume of signups. Um, so we're, um, Mm -hmm. So we're uh, you know constantly trying to innovate on the on the marketing side and also the product side to drive drive sign up volume, increase sign ups. The more sign ups we have, the more new we can bring on. And then because we sell to SMBs and and customers churn will always exist. Um, our dollar retention would be the third one. So um, you know if we start the year with a hundred customers, just round numbers, paying us a dollar a month, which is obviously not the actual number and uh 20 of those leave then i both i need the remaining 20 out of the 80 remaining to pay me $2 by the end of the year in order to have 100% dollar retention. So um that that i would say would be the third focus which is the reason why we're you know expanding our product, launching a second product. Um we'll probably be launching a third one next year. Um so the idea is there we have a multi-product in order to Cross sell the products into the install base and and keep keep growing yeah. um, the business quickly.
0: Well, I think I think you could use this uh, podcast interview as a selling point on why why companies should use your your system as a uh, operating system for their company. Why they should use your software as an operating system. Man,
1: yeah, that's uh, you know our mission is to help companies you know monitor their data more easily so that so that they can improve their performance. Right, just looking at it doesn't really do anything. But what I find is that most companies don't have a performance management process meaning that like they're not they're not setting targets they're not they're not reporting out results they're not holding people accountable yeah they might hold the sales team accountable and maybe the marketing team but beyond that it's pretty loose um and so i think it's important to to use numbers for that also like there's so many areas you know to optimize the business there's so many New things that you can do these days to improve sales and marketing productivity or throughput, and um, I think that requires a a, um, a management re- regimented management team that's capable of evaluating opportunities and making bets and and being honest about how they worked and didn't work. Um, And so, yeah, I think numbers are pretty important when it comes to that, finding those opportunities and and evaluating whether they worked or not.
0: Yeah, no, I think that totally makes sense. So, um, okay, cool. So what would you say is your your single biggest challenge right now that you're running into at this stage of growth?
1: Good one. Um, The single biggest challenge, I think, is we are... Operating on a cash flow break even, we kind of made this conscious decision, and so it's a matter of just balancing our investments with our growth, um, and uh, you know that's not always easy to predict when you have three thousand customers <laughs> um, and you have hundreds of customers, you know, coming, uh, tens of customers going, like it's a uh, it's it's erratic. Especially in a freemium model, right? There's just no way that we can talk to even every new customer, let alone every existing customer. So, trying to figure out, um, you know, better ways of of forecasting the future um, and 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 leveraging that to make decisions today about investments. Yeah, if we were, if we, you know, if we were going to gonna go raise money, um, I could make. You know more and bigger bets, but um we you know, made a decision to to uh, try to innovate while we're managing the business cash to cash flow. Yeah. yeah, well, that I mean that's the that's the the
0: right model to do it, in in this environment, and so I think you're heading down the right path. Yeah, um, no, and a lot of a lot, of, time, lot of
1: SaaS companies have, have had to pull back. Right, they invest, they raise a lot of money, they're investing a he- way ahead of growth, and then I think you know they're. Their, they've either their growth is slowed or flattened or they're expecting it to, and so they've had to do layoffs, um, cut back. You know, we haven't had to do any layoffs. Don't plan to. Um, don't think I need to based on our existing forecasts. And uh, and you know, we've slowed down hiring, but haven't turned it off completely. So I, we're in a we're in a good spot. Not not uh not worried about it. Just yeah, that,
0: definitely. Yeah.
1: You know. Well, like I was saying, unfortunately,
0: we're up on time, and uh, I mean, I can talk to you about this. For- another half hour or so. But um, where can people find you? Where can they find out more about Databox? And if they want to leverage your tool, like I said, it's, it's really slick. It seems very intuitive and easy to set up. Yep. So uh, where can people find out more about you and the company?
1: Yeah, so just go to databox.com. We didn't mention this, but I have a very large team there that's um, handling chat inquiries. So if you have questions, they're uh, they're, uh, they're available to help with with all your performance management, performance management questions. Um, and so you just go to databox.com. I'm on twi- active on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, my Twitter handle is PC four media, I'm Peter Caputa at, on LinkedIn. Um, and so, uh, I have trouble keeping up with inquiries, as you know, um, uh, a little inbox is a little overloaded and I spend ma- the majority of my time, uh, operationally running the business. Um, but, uh, happy to help <laughs> if I can and help point people in the right direction.
0: Awesome. Well, Peter, I, I think you gave a, a masterclass on just breaking it down with uh, performance management. And, and, you know, I think there's some really cool ways we we could leverage your tool doing it. So thanks for being on the show, man. It was awesome having you on. Yeah.
1: I appreciate the conversation. Ryan. Thank you for checking
0: out the scale up show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering